Good evening, folks. This is Kate Mack coming at you from Halifax, Nova Scotia, on a beautiful, hot and sunny evening on the East Coast. So, you know, I just got back from the waterfront. It's beautiful down there. There's boats and people eating dinner and <clears throat> and uh, listening to music at the jazz festival. There's there's lots going on in this city. Um, so that's really nice to see. Um, so. Now, I, I know I haven't been here for a while. I believe the last episode I did was in Jan um, December. It was in December, just before the new year. And, um, you know, I've been working really hard this year. And uh, so I've been I've been working. That's where I've been. And um, I'm really excited to be back and um, do this episode with you all. So I um, haven't told you guys, but I've been doing this grad course. Um, for the last week or week and a half or so and as our final project we were asked to reflect on our educational experiences and use the literature we've been discussing to formulate new ideas for the classroom and you know in a nutshell what's working you know um, what worked for you as a student and what's working today in your classroom and it was a really good exercise because we had to use all these amazing lectures and presentations and um, um, discussions to, to do this project, to think about where we've been, uh, what we've learned, and where we're going. So today I want to, you know, to do that, um, seeing, how's the, seeing how this podcast is about education and art, I thought it was very fitting to do a podcast instead of a, uh, an essay. So. Yeah, so I'm going to get right into it and talk about my upbringing and some of the support networks I had in place. And you guys know I always talk about Truro <laughs> on this pod podcast because it's one of my favorite places to go. It's so relaxed and you can run on the trail and go to Victoria Park and do all kinds of things like that. And um, so as you all know, you know, living in Truro, we had a lot of space to, you know, to do things and play outside after school and you know, we used to bike around the block and go to the store all the time for candy, you know. But you really had to think if it was worth it, think about if it was worth it or not, because once you got to the store downhill, it was all downhill, you had to go uphill again. So <laughs> you had to think, do it, how much do I want this candy? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So in addition to our amazing parents, you know, we had great, amazing babysitters that were so funny, had wonderful senses of humor. Uh, wonderful neighbors, friends, and bus drivers. Uh, one of our bus drivers was so, he used to have so much fun with us. He would literally sit on you if you were doing something he didn't like. It was kind of like a, a red, like a game, you know? I know that would never happen today, but that's, that's actually what happened. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, at home there was always stuff going on. Clubhouses were being built in the backyard. And... A lot of kids used to like coming to our house because we had a basketball hoop in our driveway. You know, so kids would come to our house just to play basketball. Um, and our dog, our dog Clifford, was always hanging out in some capacity with us. You know, and he loved to swim and he loved sleeping in front of the fireplace at our grandparents' cottage. And on Saturday mornings, he could be seen sneaking downstairs to eat leftover pizza. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but in all seriousness, he was the 
best dog in the whole world. Such a sweetheart. And everybody in Toronto knew him. One of my friends cried. She called me up at university. I was crying on the phone. She heard he had passed. You know, he touched everyone's hearts. He was such a good dog. Man. Um, yeah. So, you know, during the summers, uh, we also spent a lot of time outdoors on the sand flats, on the Yammer Shore. And at Big Cove YMCA camp, I spent 13 years of my life there. And let me tell you, if you have a chance to go, please go. Send your kids there. It really is the experience of a lifetime. You know, you get put into a cabin with a bunch of kids you don't know. And you go on all these pretty challenging out trips. Yeah, so, you know, you can learn so much about yourself there as a camper and a counselor. I was a counselor there too for two, three years. Yeah. So I have to give a special shout out to that place because it had an enormous impact on my childhood and it's had a huge role in shaping me into the person I am today. So, you know, let's get into it um, and talk about what I'm going to talk about today. <laughs> so here we go. Yeah. Um, so connecting my educational experiences to the social justice literacy and pedagogical approaches discussed in our course has allowed me to reflect on the successful moments I've had as a student and a teacher in today's classroom. What I've found is that my joy and ultimate success in both roles aligns with modern research. For example, today's social justice advocates, research, and mentors all conclude that creating a safe space and an inclusive space for students is essential for learning to take place. And in my reflection today, I hope to outline some of the incredible things that can happen in the classroom when these kinds of spaces exist for kids. So let's go back to grade primary. So I don't know about you guys, but my, my primary teacher was the best teacher I've ever had. She's compassionate, caring, and made everyone feel welcome and important. It still amazes me how she always taught with a genuine smile on her face and never, ever got upset when students made mistakes. Now, I'll never forget, actually, one time bringing a doll named Baby Talk for show and tell. And you know, I was like so scared I was going to get in trouble because I couldn't, I didn't know how to turn the doll off. She just kept talking. Um, and she couldn't even figure out how to stop the doll from talking, so she... She put it in the quiet chair. <laughs> what an amazing teacher, eh? What a genius. Yeah, so she had a marvelous sense of humor like that. And, um, you know, in going back and reading reports, it's pretty clear that she took it upon herself to develop relationships and knew a lot about our learning styles. And I just quoted it here. It says, quote, Katie appears to have had a happy primary year. She finds letter writing personally satisfying and demonstrates good risk-taking abilities. So, you know, in summing up my experiences in this grade, I think it's evident that the environment affected my attitude about school in a very positive way and encouraged me to take risks. And also, I, again, it goes to show that building relationships and knowing students' learning styles plays a huge role uh, in setting students up for success. And as I've learned in this course, this kind of approach is widely endorsed by educational researchers today. They're all saying that. That's the word on the street, right? So, um, grade two, three was very similar. And I promise you, I'm not going to go through every single grade, but 
I think it's important to highlight the good times at school, so to speak. Um, so yeah, grade two, three was a lot like grade primary. I enjoyed it because my teacher was always mixing things up, if you know what I mean. And she really encouraged us to use our voice in writing workshop. So group work activities and collaboration were ongoing in her class all the time. And uh, she used to sing songs with, with her ukulele that we knew and could sing along with. Um, she did this to reinforce concepts about the Atlantic provinces. You know, Eyes the Bye um, was a real hit in our class for a while there. Yeah. So she integrated many subjects like art, science, to educate us about endangered species. And, but, you know, beyond that, um, she had a real knack for making children feel valued and important. She praised our ideas often and provided positive feedback by describing what she liked most about our stories. So in doing this, she instilled a real sense of ownership in our learning. You know, we felt like real writers. And, you know, in fact, I think it's because of this approach that I, end up, I ended up writing one of the best stories I've ever written. And I was only in grade two. Think of that. You know, and the story was called The Magic Egg. It's a funny story about a little girl who turns her mean, mean older sister into a frog. Um, now, I believe it or not, I still have it on my shelf and read it to my students today. With a varied ending, of course. We talk about, you know, what the little girl could have done differently, you know. But um, it's, it's still a lot of fun reading that to my students in my classroom today. Um, so another aspect of her teaching that stands out to me today is how well she knew her students and their learning styles. Um, her comments and her reports um, demonstrates this. She uh, says, quote, Kate is a reader in the true sense. She gets right into the story and really understands the characters. She is quite an actress. She catches the humor in stories and in everyday life. End quote. So there you go. She knew her students. She knew her students. It's funny. My, my math report reads well. But <laughs> it's terrible. I don't remember any of the activities we did. Yeah? Um, so... So I th again, here we go. It's safe to say that I enjoyed these um, this this grade because I learned a lot um, with the warm environment there. You know, I felt safe and encouraged to share my ideas. And if you ask me, my grade primary teacher, my two three teacher, were very much ahead of their time in their student centered approaches. Let's jump to junior high school. So most of my experiences. Uh, in education after grade four and throughout middle school were, in all honesty, a bit of a blur. <laughs> That's terrible, isn't it? Um, to say, but yeah, there, yeah, I remember there being lots of tests that I had to study for, worksheets and copying down notes from the board. Um, and in fact, it's kind of funny, I have one specific memory of a class where our teacher didn't say one word to <laughs> I don't blame her. <laughs> Um, grade, you know, junior high, but she pointed her chalk at the notes, sat down at her desk while we copied them off the board. You know, I had no idea what I was writing, and I didn't care. I really didn't care. As long as I was quiet, wrote things down, it worked. So in my math classes, I remember being very afraid of making mistakes. Therefore, I never questioned the teacher about what we were learning about. 
I just sort of did what they told me to do and focus on getting the answers right all the time, right? So there's, there's, back then there was no collaboration among students, math talks or um, invitations to share strategies with our peers. And, and I mean, in our teacher's defense, I don't think these teachers were really around back then or fully developed at the very least, right? So there you go. Um, yeah, so, you know, in junior high, I pretty well, com pretty much conformed. I don't know what people call junior high today. Maybe they call it middle school. Yeah, is it still junior high? I don't know. Um, but, you know, in junior high, I conformed and for the most part, never asked questions. You know, but you know what I love about school is that regardless, you know, there's, there's always teachers, there are always teachers who care about you and genuinely want you to succeed and you know I have to applaud all of them for that um, so you know it, wrapping up my story in junior high I really enjoyed math in grade 9 because of the teacher he was very relaxed and never embarrassed you if you had a question about a step or got an answer wrong and in fact because of his demeanor Algebraic equations became my best friends and favorite puzzles to solve at the end of middle school, junior high. Yeah, there you go, go figure. And um, wrapping it up with um, grade school, I'd have to say that some of my best learning experiences were in my grade 12 art teacher's classroom. So my teacher in grade, my art teacher in grade 12 is one of the best teachers I've ever had. You know, his class felt like a hangout for creative people. And being there was a refreshing break from the routines at school. Um, he always gave us complete control in the decision-making process when we created artwork. And one aspect I liked about his approach was that he always encouraged us to choose subject matter that reflected our personal interests. And if a piece of artwork didn't turn out the way we wanted, he would just like shrug, sort of laugh and say, start again, start again. He had a very warm and non-judgmental way about him. I was never afraid to take risks in his art room because of his demeanor and his responses to my work. You know, I think one of my favorite projects entailed painting an image on a large blank square tile for the hall ceiling leading to our school's cafeteria now, I always felt that my work had a real-world purpose, and this did wonders for my confidence in grade 12. So I have to have to thank him for that. And, you know, and again, here we go with the collaboration piece. It was ongoing in the art room. Ongoing, because we would we'd constantly be sitting at groups together and sort of talking to each other while we did our, our work, you know, our, our paintings or our charcoal drawings. We're always giving each other advice about what brush uh, or color or type of media we should use for our compositions, you know. And then we talk about something that we were going to do on the weekend while we did our work. And then we'd go back to our paintings and um, <coughs> so forth. And um, after I graduated, I kept painting and still do when I find time. I love to paint. And here we go again, guys, is that, like, upon reflection... I think it's pretty safe to conclude from this experience what more that once more that a safe and inclusive learning environment is key in enabling students to think think critically with their own ideas. 
so that was great ending ending high school like that what a great way to end high school um, with my friends and with a lot of self-confidence and uh, don't get me wrong other teachers were fabulous too but you know that was uh, a, um, a very memorable uh, time for me so let's talk about university um, one aspect I enjoyed very much about university was the freedom you know I love choosing my own time to read and work I remember many late nights with pots of coffee and early morning readings before classes. Yeah, that was me. And you know, ultimately, I think I enjoyed being challenged all the time and having complete control of my learning. So I enjoyed reading long articles and summing them up in front of my peers with one sentence. And that was that was fun for me, you know. Um, and it, don't get me wrong. I had some tough professors who would bring me to tears over an essay they didn't like. But, you know, I just sort of shook it off pretty easily and went back to work. And, you know, I think in a strange way, it kind of comforted me knowing that they took my ideas seriously and cared about my education. And I know that I, I wouldn't use that approach, but, um, and I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure there are better ways to tell their student their work's not up to par. But those were the days of the old ways yeah um, but even in a school setting like university you can see how having a sense of ownership in one's learning and designing a flexible schedule um, assist people in learning the concepts for each course you know it's important for some people to be able to choose when they want to work people work better at different times of the day as Robinson suggests in his uh, talk um, so after I learned to think, so to speak, at university, I, I decided that education was the right career path for me. So, so by making course connections to my past experiences in school, I've been able to make some sense of why I enjoyed learning and experienced huge leaps at certain points in my journey and why I may have disengaged entirely at other points. And, um, Reflecting upon lived experience is such a great way to think about social justice theories and equity in education. Um, you know, because it's, you can think about some real, real life examples in your own, in your own life, you know. So um, I think what we can take away from this is that it's pretty evident from my own experiences and all the current research that safe and including inclusive learning spaces are necessary before actual learning can take place and um, as you've seen from my accounts and today's research and um, advocates of social justice that it's it's pretty clear that the teacher's attitude and approach sets the tone in the classroom now they can facilitate collaboration and encourage critical thinking by acknowledging different strategies students bring to the table. And you know, by by emphasizing the thought process instead of the product, teachers can even redefine the notion of success for their students. You know, and lastly, I want to say that personally lived experience and current studies you know, really goes to show that building relationships and understand how, understanding how individuals learn 
may be the most crucial factor impacting students' success in today's classrooms. Okay. So, so this year, in my own practice as a teacher, I was fortunate to observe these social justice theories and pedagogies in motion by Dwayne Slebenick, also known as the infamous Mr. S. Uh, students loved him. He modeled several lessons where collaboration among the students was key. And he modeled, I have to say, he modeled some pretty unorthodox approaches that really shook things up and excited the students in their learning. Um, you, know, <coughs> um, you know, during whole group instruction, for instance, he asked them to shout out answers as a group. And not only was this fun and engaging for them, but it provided an essential platform for everyone to share their thinking. You know, it really helped to unify the class and allowed everyone to be present in the re uh, th thinking process. It sort of had this magical effect of enticing those to share who otherwise would not feel comfortable doing so in front of their peers, right? So in these um, classes that were modeled um, and that we collaborated on uh, together, the students really enjoyed sharing their thinking with one another. Um, you know, we had lots of interactive games that involved mu uh, movement and, you know, a smash hit. Like a smash hit, for example, was this game called Express Yourself, where students were invited to record their own numbers and walk around the room sharing expressions with one another. So it was very open-ended in the sense that everyone could think of an expression to represent their number. So, for example, with the number 24, a student might multiply 4 times 6, add 1 to 23, or subtract 26 from 50. Right? So, inviting students to share their strategies with one another afterwards reinforce the idea that there are many ways to get there in math, so to speak. And as many researchers suggest today, by emphasizing the value of the thought process instead of the product, students are encouraged to think critically and build confidence in their learning and more or less redefine the notion of success. So um, before I wrap up here, I should note that this teaching approach works well in writing too. You know, inviting students to, sh to choose and share their own ideas about topics uh, achieves similar, similar outcomes this year, you know. And there are lots of ways that you can integrate math and writing, you know, finding out how old, um, uh, if they're writing a biography, they want to find out how old they were when they went to school like them, they subtracting, I've seen kids um, in lower grades, you know, subtracting and subtracting four-digit numbers, it's quite impressive. Um, yeah, so uh, it's been quite a year, and um, I really enjoy y'all listening to my my past and um, my my present approaches as a teacher. So um, I'm going to sign off here, but um, before I do that, I just want to again say you know thanks a lot for listening, and um, you know I think if I had three words to sum up my final synthesis, it would be, you know, relationships, 
critical thinking and an overall sense of well-being, right? Kids really need to feel a sense of ownership in their learning. So, yeah, so that's that's about it, guys. And um, I'm not sure what everyone else is up to this evening, but I'm going to hit the deck and uh, cool off. It's pretty warm in Halifax tonight. It's, it says 24 degrees, but I know better. I think it's about 30 degrees. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyways, guys, um, I hope, uh, hope everyone's doing really well whoever you are and wherever you are and as always please uh, please feel free to email me and give me a shout out at kmcloud39 at gmail.com good night be well be safe and we'll talk to you all soon bye bye for now